Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. And they asked us not to read an ad, but they do want you to enjoy the show. All right, let's see. All right, we're both level four podcasters. Yeah, yeah, it says that for beginners you should start at level four, otherwise it's like advanced rules if you want to start lower. Look, I picked out, uh, I picked out, uh, my guy is the little headphones, that's what I picked. Okay, I'm gonna be the, the MacBook. Awesome, okay. What, what feat did you take? Like, like, what's your, what's your special skill? Mine is, um, too much research. I, my, my character can, can do too much research, and it really hampers doing other things in life. Uh, I picked drunken rambling. Oh, nice! So, so it's. I like, read about that one. I almost took that one. Yeah, but the, the downside is is that I uh, uh, I only get the effect if I have if I have if we can afford beer, and that's oh. like not till like round three. So, all right. So I guess we'll start. I guess we start in the recording studio. Yeah, yeah. And oh, I know what I'm gonna do. Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna use. I got it on my list of abilities. Musical intro. Oh, nice. Yeah. Do well. Do I have to make a singing check for that? I do, right? I don't know. Hold on. Let me see that. Oh no! Damn it! It takes three. It takes three rounds to get a musical intro ready. I can't. I can't oh, cast it now. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, that's a good thought, though. Yeah. Um. Oh. 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 I know. I know. What we'll do. Uh. Hold on. Yes. Okay. Uh. Self-referencing intro. Yeah, yeah. That, that takes no time. No, and it's exactly what you can do if you don't know what to do. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait, wait we, we, we both have to make save checks against being hacks. Okay. You passed. Okay, looks like we passed, but right. barely. Jeez. Yeah. I thought I had more uh, modifiers than that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Zero. Uh, currently, it, it, so for what we've got so far, we're not getting any listeners, so I'm going to also use, hold on. On my list of abilities, oi! Oh, got me a Cockney accent then. Oh, nice. Too nice, right. Hey. Too right. Oh, shoot. Too right. That's nice. What? What can I have? Oh, oh. Here we go. I've got a, a knockoff Monty Python. Oh, Cockney. nice. Okay, yeah. great. Hello, hello. My name's David, and I'm afraid we're once again here to promise you T-shirts in a functioning online web store. It doesn't ever exist. Too right. <laughs> We're dealing with taxes and types of shits. Did you say types of shits? No, I didn't say types of shits. Did I bleep it? Was it bleeped? No. Must have been shirts. My bad. We'll get a store up soon, we promise. Too right. All right, I think we passed that. Right. Uh, okay, I think so we passed that. Yeah, cool. level, level three. Okay, let's see. Okay, uh, hold on. I'm drawing a challenge card. Your podcast has been reviewed by a podcast that reviews podcasts. Wait, what? What? I don't know. That's what it says. Your podcast has been reviewed by a podcast that reviews podcasts. Are they getting like $20 every time I say (laughs) I think so. And they didn't like you. Shocking. So yeah, that's our our challenge. So now we, we respond, I guess. Okay, um, uh, man, I I have ty- a couple tirade? skills. Well, I I've got a couple of uh, skills here that that might be okay. put in play. Let me let me just review so them. I, you I tell got me. plus two to drunken tirade. Okay, 
Well, my my too much research gives me a, uh-huh. a plus two if if I oh, want to like you know go to town on a, a, a for going to town a rebuttal or something. Um, oh, okay. All right. I've I've got uh, mean counter review. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I've got stoic silence, and I've got co-host discussion. Oh, okay. Hold on. Let me see what I get. Uh, let's see, I already said plus two. That fart sound. That's not gonna help. Uh, making fun of Alex Jones. <laughs> Alex Jones voice. Can, does Alex Jones voice work on this one? I don't think it translates. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh. Ooh. 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 Uh. Uh. I could. I. We could cast. Uh. All press is good press. Maybe. Except for I don't feel like it is. I don't think it is. Hmm. Oh shit. I've got one. How about Rise Above, where we just thank them for taking the time to listen to us? Okay. Ugh. Okay. All right, we'll you tr- know what? You do you do that skill, and I'm also gonna do co-host discussion with my plus two too much research. Okay. Awesome. I think that'll knock it out. Okay, hold on. You go first. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, they, they didn't like us, but hey, you know what? Thanks for listening. That Not everybody's going to, and that's fine. I'm just glad that they uh, took the time to listen to the podcast. Yeah, I uh, I second that, and I'm also going to add, uh, you know, it might help if you do a little more research than just looking at the picture of our podcast, because we're not all about cryptozoology. Success! Ah, all right. All right, challenge. Oh, no all big right. deal. NBD, yeah. bro. Holy crap, you know, that's enough points. I think we just, yeah, we just defeated the intro level. That's it? That yeah. took, took the intro down? Yeah. Okay. Now what? Make a save check, listener. <laughs> yeah. It's too late. You Save, save you, against will and fortitude. Yeah. Have you, have you critically failed or rolled that nat 20? <laughs> Only time will tell. Probably somewhere right. in the middle. <laughs> Welcome to Blurry Photos. I'm David Flora. I'm Dave Stecco. Hi. How you guys been? Flora, how have you been? I've been good. We don't talk about each other anymore. No. We don't care. No. We're just a stone cold podcast machine. We don't give no shits. No shits is given. Um, but we are gearing up because oh, it is the lovely month of May. That's right. This is This is a jam-packed month. Yeah. We're doing a lot of work, uh, mostly because my stupid ass is going to Ireland. As he so often reminds us. <laughs> I'll be in Ireland uh, from the about the 20th to the 1st of June. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're in Ireland at that time, you got a, you got a date that's free or, or one of those days, please... Email us. Please let me know if you want to uh, meet up and grab a drink and just chit chat. <laughs> please also, if you don't, please also let us know if you're in Ireland and don't want to yeah, meet. Up. If you don't, let us know. <laughs> no, I'll be there. I <laughs> decline. See you. I decline. Don't want to see you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so great. I, would, I if, would get a big kick out of that. And if you're in Chicago ever, uh, I'll be visiting neighborhood bars and um, hanging out. And so, well. You know, well, uh, and if you're in Milwaukee or anywhere near on June 6th, that's right. Come see us at our, our little booth where we'll be peddling our shit. Yeah. Milwaukee Paracon. Can they handle us? Probably not. Are they going to be irritated by us? Maybe. Probably. Yeah. Linda Godfrey's going to be there. Sweet. That'll be fun. 
she uh, she's written some good stuff. Uh, the um, erotic the, fan fiction, the, the maybe the the werewolf that that's in Wisconsin. We haven't gotten to it yet. We haven't gotten to it yet. But maybe the we Hodag? can. No, no, no. Different thing. You're a different thing. The Beast of Bray Road, I think. Sweet. But maybe we can. Uh, maybe we can talk to. I don't know how much we're going to actually get to partake of the conference. Well, we'll do what we can. Yeah, we're we're going to be manning the the booth. Yep. And. Maybe we'll be able to get food. I don't know. Yeah. We'll have a cooler full of sandwiches and beer. <laughs> uh, but anyways, that's what you should do. Come see us there. Uh, blah, blah, blah. That's great. <laughs> We're just sitting at a table eating pre-made sandwiches and drinking beer. <laughs> this guy's got a question. You want to explore that explained? Come on. <laughs> you want to do it with some brie? Turkey? <laughs> Ooh. Turkey and Gouda? Turkey brie sandwich. It's Turkey all, brie? It's all the choice. Spinach? Uh, all right. But that's not what you're here for. We're done with that. Yep. Time to check out. An aeronautical mystery. Aer- you know, I've, got, I've got, wait, I've got a good setup for aeronautical this. Aeronautical FBI, FBI Yiller. Yeah. In 1971, one man decided that he would commit the crime of the century. Did he take a ton of money? Eh, pretty good amount. Did he set off a ton of explosions? No. No, he didn't. Was he completely a lunatic that screamed at people? No, he was rather polite. But what he did do is skydive into our hearts. <laughs> We're talking, this yeah. is the story of D.B. Cooper. Yeah. As Dan, Dan Cooper. Yeah. Dan Cooper as is D.B. Cooper is in. John Doe in a Federal Bureau of Investigations production. <laughs> <laughs> Skydive, why dive? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah D.B. Cooper, if you've never heard of him, which is it feels weird to say this, but we'll get to why. D.B. slash Dan Cooper was a guy who in 1971 hijacked an airplane, mm-hmm. took some hostages, said he had a bomb. Flora, take it from there. Yeah. I don't want to steal all the fun facts. Between Portland, Oregon and Seattle, Washington, uh, he grabbed control of this plane, demanded a $200,000 ransom. And four parachutes, and then upon receipt, he had the plane take off for Mexico. Yeah, and this is pre this is pre Reagan times, where, where where it was the Wild West. Yeah, where if you <laughs> if if you demand a ransom, I guess I guess back in seventy one, you just got it. They were like, oh, here, here you go. <laughs> it it worked pre Reagan times. Well, is in like- Ford's America? Yeah, <laughs> Nixon. In Nixon's America. <laughs> I, don't, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all of them crooks. <laughs> Somewhere over southwest Washington, he apparently jumped out of the plane and vanished. Forever. No body or parachute was ever found, which makes this one of the FBI's hottest cold cases of all time. Ooh. It's also the <laughs> It was a dirty deed and yeah. he did it dirt cheap. He sure did. Oh. Those cigarettes that tie. That's right. We'll get to it. <laughs> um yeah, also the uh the only unsolved case of uh of air piracy or hijacking in US history. Oof. How about that? Yeah, so he 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 got the money he jumped out the airplane. He took the money and ran, and was never heard from again. Yeah. So let's uh, let's dive into the <laughs> let's let's dive into the 
with a dummy shoot into a uh, <laughs> detail. Bay caught me yawning. <laughs> yeah. Still love him, though. Um, to a detailed timeline uh, of the events of November 24th, 1971. The night before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> right? Yeah. Thanksgiving Eve or Thanksgive. Yeah, it was Thanksgive. Zangief. Shoot me. <laughs> um, some of this info I, I have to mention comes from historylink.org in an article by Catherine Beck. Thank you. Uh, on the afternoon of November 24th, 1971, a man approached the counter of Northwest Orient Airlines in the Portland, Oregon airport, calling himself Dan Cooper. He bought a one-way ticket to Seattle, Washington on for, flight 305. For how much? You know, Total ticket price was $20. God. Paid in cash just before they stopped boarding the plane. And after he had confirmed the aircraft was a Boeing 727. Mm -hmm. The trip would take 30 minutes aboard a Boeing 727-100. He boarded the plane, which was only about a third full with 36 other passengers, and took a seat in the very back. He wore a dark suit, in some accounts, burgundy-colored. Nice. A white-collared shirt, black necktie with a mother-of-pearl tie pin, loafers, and a black raincoat. He also carried a black attache case. Also known as a briefcase in some, some corners of the world. And once seated, he lit a Raleigh brand cigarette and ordered a bourbon with, depending on the source, either 7-Up or water. I better have been water. Why? Bourbon and 7-Up? Blow yourself up. You know, it's better than you think. I've never had it. It's better than you think. It's my my preference is just a straight up Coke yeah. to mix with if you're gonna mix. But I'm, I'm I'm a rocks guy. That's how that's how the good Lord made me. Yeah, rocks rocks is good, but it's it's akin to like a seven and seven. Never had that either. Well, well, well. In Reagan's America, how, how do you uh, how do, you the listener? How do you take your bourbon, <laughs> Lana? We already know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that hardly anybody takes. It, it is a weird combination. You don't think of tan uh, liquor and, and clear soda. Yeah. Can but. I have a Sierra Mist with with my with my 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 Johnny Walker, please? Hmm. No, you no. may not. I'm not a big Scotchman. I used to know a guy who loved to. Um, uh, I think there there some some UK cookie called like a Tim Tam. He'd bite the ends off and suck Bushmills through it and then eat the cookie. <laughs> he'd use it like it was like a chocolate coated cookie. He'd bite the ends off and make it in kind of like a straw. Uh-huh. He'd suck Bushmills into it. Wow. And then eat it. Wow. I still feel like it's the best way to ruin both. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> uh, once the flight had taken off at 2.50 p.m., Cooper gave a note to one of the stewardesses. I love this part. Named Florence Schaffner. Who Schaffner. Schaffner who proceeded to assume it was some kind of flirtation towards her and just dropped it in her purse. When Cooper saw this, he said, Miss, <laughs> uh, pardon me, love. You better have a look on that note. <laughs> on account of this being a motherfucking bomb. <laughs> eh? She right. right. <laughs> Swear me, mom. <laughs> she did, and apparently it said, I have a bomb in my briefcase. I will use it if necessary. I want you to sit next to me. You are being hijacked. 
Wink. <laughs> Emoji. She sat down then and asked if he was kidding, to which he replied only by opening the case and showing her a mess of wires, red sticks of dynamite, and a flashlight battery. Yeah. Maybe dynamite. Yeah. Uh, what appeared to be. <laughs> he then told her what he wanted. $200,000 in, quote, negotiable American currency, end quote. Four parachutes, two primary, two reserve, or of two fronts, two backs. Yep. And a fuel truck standing by in Seattle to refuel the aircraft upon arrival. He also asked for meals for the flight crew and ended his demands with the threat, no funny stuff or I'll do the job, sir. <laughs> she then went to the cockpit to deliver the message to the pilots, who then radioed the situation to the Seattle-Tacoma Airport Control Tower, who then told local and federal authorities, who then peed uh, all of themselves. I was going to say, prepare to sh** your panties. <laughs> the airline's president authorized payment of the ransom and told the pilot to cooperate fully with Cooper. Uh, because the FBI needed time to gather the requested items, the pilot was forced to circle the Puget Sound for almost three hours. Right, which was interesting because uh, our, our buddy, uh, Mr. Cooper, Kind of looked out the window and was like, oh, is that Tacoma right there? But which is interesting because think about this. Who recognizes a city from flying over it? It's not easy. It's not easy. It's doable. Yeah. I think, but it's not easy. And all these, all these little details come back because this is the most scrutinized thing on earth. Every little detail has been mined for data or clues or interest. Mm-hmm. The passengers were apparently told there was a mechanical problem requiring the pilot burn off some fuel. <laughs> burn it. Burn it all. <laughs> to which I, I hope all the passengers were like, you what, mate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> burn off fuel? Okay. While Schaffner was in the cockpit, Cooper put on a pair of dark sunglasses and had another stewardess, Tina Mucklow, sit next to him. He gave her a cigarette Asked where she was from, which was Minnesota. He said, that was a nice place. At one point, he looked out the window, like you said, said, ah, that looks like Tacoma down there. He also mentioned that McCord Air Force Base was only a 20-minute drive from the SeaTac Airport. I'd love it if he was just rattling this random shit off. That's what it sounds like he was doing. And, well, this is the only part that they, they wrote down because <laughs> it, you know. Substantial, yeah. Both stewardesses described him as calm and polite. Mucklow said later, quote, he wasn't nervous. He seemed rather nice. He was never cruel or nasty. Uh, he was thoughtful and calm all the time, end quote. Uh, apparently, Mucklow asked him if he had a grudge against Northwest Orient, an airline that had recently had strikes and labor troubles. And he told her, I don't have a grudge against your airline, miss. I just have a grudge. Woo. Hmm. After a second bourbon, he paid his drink tab and continued smoking. Told her to keep the change. I like that yeah, part. Yeah. Really was insistent on tipping the, the flight crew, to which most of them said, no thanks. Yeah. I don't want your hijack money. Hijacker. Meanwhile, on the ground, the FBI gathered 10,000 unmarked 20s with non-sequential serial numbers that had re been recorded on microfiche previously. Which is a hell of a move, maneuver to get that done that quickly. Yeah. I get the idea from, from this one account that I read that 
the bank or banks that they got the money from had already done the, oh, the gotcha. microfiche. Although some accounts definitely make it seem like they all just took pictures as they put them in the, yeah. the, the little bands. The four parachutes were also gathered and snipers were placed around the airport as the flight was told it was okay to land finally at 5.39 p.m. On the ground, Cooper had Mucklow retrieve the money and the chutes from outside the plane and return them to him. Fuel trucks came to refuel the plane and authorities tried to stall by saying it was too cold to refuel, hmm. which Cooper didn't buy. <laughs> I'd be happy to warm things up with this goddamn bomb. <laughs> In total, three tankers were used to refuel, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Cooper, getting a little impatient, used the cabin phone to call the cockpit and demand they, quote unquote, get the show on the road. Well, he's got things to do. Right. Once refueled, he let all passengers and crew off, except Mucklow, the pilot, the co-pilot, and the engineer. He then discussed the next steps with them. They were going to fly him to Mexico City at the minimum airspeed possible without stalling the aircraft. That was approximately 100 knots, mm -hmm. which is about 120 miles per hour or 190 kilometers per hour. And at, the, at a very specific altitude. Yeah. Uh, couldn't fly higher than 10,000 feet, an altitude at which the cabin would not be pressurized. Yep. They also had to fly with the landing gear down, and the wing flaps lowered 15 degrees. Mm -hmm. He also wanted the plane to take off and fly with the aft stairs down. This, this, this particular plane, and this is a big point for this thing, mm -hmm. had, you could, you could actually, it had a, a row of stairs that just folded right out of the tail section of out the, the butt, Straight yep. out the butt. Yep, and then the, uh, they, it had three big engines mounted above that, yep. kind of on the tail which, uh, yeah, that's uh, that comes into play. And the crew objected to the aft stairs on the grounds that it was unsafe, which he denied. Um, but no, it's fine. It's fine. You know what? Fine. You know what? Yeah. You just do what you do, and I'll just I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I love that there was a, a fair amount of like discussion and negotiation about how these things would go. <laughs> yeah. It all seemed very civil. He he decided he'd just open it in the air, but the co-pilot also said the plane's range was only a thousand miles, so they would have to refuel a couple times before they got to old Mihiki. Mihiki, Mihiki. Cooper agreed to refueling in Reno, Nevada, and Yuma, Arizona. When the crew said they needed to file the flight plan, Cooper, becoming more impatient, told them to do it later. <laughs> that yeah. let's get this thing off the ground. What part of by the book do you think this plane is going by? <laughs> <laughs> the plane then took off again at 7.40 p.m. Two F-106 fighter jets were dispatched to shadow the plane, as was a Lockheed T-33 jet, and later a couple more aircraft. Yeah, the T-33 was, was kind of, it was a training jet, yeah. and it actually never even made visual contact. They were like, hey, you go over here. No, we're out of fuel. Well, yeah, it was it was already on a mission, apparently yeah. a training mission, and and they were like, oh, why don't you just go check this situation don't out? Be a part of it. Yeah, and it wasn't. Yeah, T bird. Now, what's important is those those, those two aircraft, the 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 T one hundred sixes. Yep. Darts. They, they were uh, Delta darts. They were positioned above and below 
the aircraft at a mm-hmm. distance so that you, they couldn't be seen from the cockpit. Right. They, they were not, they weren't visible. So they were at a little bit of a distance and kind of just keeping an eye on it. Yeah. Which proved difficult because, um, the darkness, the bad weather combined for terrible visibility, not to mention the slow speed, which caused the jets to have to perform figure eights to follow at all. Yeah. Which is kind of a brilliant trick. If you want to fuck off some fighter jets, <laughs> yeah, go too slow for them. And um, it was definitely like uh, some accounts say it was just heavy thunderstorms in the area. Some are just, you know, rains. There's a little bit of a range, but uh, all of them say it's bad weather one way or another. Yeah. It's cloudy. It's rainy. It's it's not cool. Since Cooper needed to secure the money bag to himself, he opened one of the front chutes, one of the reserve chutes, and used a pocket knife to cut lines, which he then used to make a handle on the money bag. He told Mucklow he'd need her to lower the aft stairs for him. She was worried she'd be sucked out of the plane and asked that she be allowed to tie something to herself with more of the rope from the parachute. Cooper said, never mind, and asked her to show him how to lower the stairs himself. I'm probably much more gruff than he was. Apparently, he was very <laughs> Yeah, very he nice. seemed to be uh, pretty, pretty, pretty no, cool about okay. everything. All right, all right, man. Take it easy, chick. Now, there's an interesting fact here that, like, that that he has asked her to show him how to lower the stairs. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that this, this, this 727 um, had a, a couple of weird anomalies regarding these stairs. First of all, the fact that lowering the stairs couldn't be overrided from the cockpit, which is, which, I mean, if you're going to pick an aircraft and he clearly picked this aircraft, he did, yeah. you know, I, I suspect he may have known how to lower those stairs. Yeah. It, it seems I mean, that way. You know, like he, yeah. Since they were so integral to his plan. Mm-hmm. And he confirmed it apparently yep. when, when buying the ticket. So she, she explained it to him how to do the stairs and then mentioned where to find oxygen if, if needed, to which he, he apparently already knew its location, which was also a little oh, suspect. Yeah. Uh, he told her to return to the cockpit and stay there to close the first class curtains behind her. The last she saw of him was him tying the money around his waist. At 8 p.m., a warning light in the cockpit indicated the aft stairs had been activated. The co-pilot called back to the cabin to ask if Cooper needed help. Cooper picked up the intercom and answered, no. No. Around 8.10 p.m., the co-pilot again called and asked if everything was okay, to which Cooper responded that it was. And at 8.13 p.m., the crew felt a sudden upward movement in the tail section, enough to warrant some flight trimming to bring the plane level again. The co-pilot again called back, but this time, no response. The plane landed in Reno at 10.15 p.m. with the aft stairs still down, and FBI agents boarded and searched the plane and confirmed Cooper was gone. Gone, never gonna see him again. Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) So... That's that's that story. You you want to hear a little of the aftermath of that? No, there wasn't any. There's that, Thank that you so it. much for listening. Donate. I'm lying. There was so much aftermath. <laughs> there was some, there was more math after than before. That's how much aftermath there was. <laughs> so FBI agents found Cooper had left his tie, which was a cheap clip-on from J.C. Penney. Uh, also, the imitation, the the tie pin, which was an imitation mother of pearl. <laughs> what? Not even the real deal. Got us. And two parachutes, one front and one back, and one of which he had cut up. Yeah. 
which is which is kind of funny because it turns out of these parachutes, they were um, when they first brought him parachutes, they brought him military parachutes, mm. and he was like, "No, I want civilian parachutes, like for sports." So they were like, Ugh. "So they went to a nearby skydiving school." grabbed some shoots and came back. Now they were in such a hurry. Now they swear up and down that this yeah. was not on purpose <laughs> um, because the number of shoots that he took indicated that he'd be jumping with someone else. Right. But they gave him a dummy shoot. It was used just for training. It yep. didn't actually have, it was the, the, the part that was supposed to open up to deploy the shoot was sewn shut. It wasn't a real parachute. Yeah. And it was the, the other front reserve shoot. And it was, it was clearly labeled as such. And yet it's the one he took. <laughs> Right. Which, which I think I'll bet you there was like a dope moment when he had cut one parachute apart to get, get to the, the, the cording so he could make his handle and then realize that he'd just destroyed the only functioning backup shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently took the military shoot anyway. Really? I didn't that's, hear that. Yeah. That's, that's what I, that's the, in the accounts that I read, he, he just, he went on and took the military shoot, but, um, Oh, no, 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 that's not true. And I'll tell you why. Because um, there was two shoots that he was given. One was a newer, better, sportier version. One was kind of an older, outdated one. So, yeah, so they gave him, of the two primary shoots, he actually chose the older, slightly more outdated one. Which was, wasn't a military shoot. No, they were okay. both like civilian skydiving shoots. One was newer, like super fancy, probably, you know, for people who like go yeah. And the other one was your grandpa's sports shoot. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so he took that one and left the better shoot on the plane. Right. Fingerprints were lifted and people were interviewed. Mm-hmm. You know, all the T's were crossed and lowercase <laughs> J's were dotted. Authorities were dispatched to numerous areas in Washington to search for him. While it was very difficult to guess exactly where he may have landed due to, oh, I don't know, aircraft speed. Weather, altitude, shoot deployment, type of shoot used, etc., etc., etc. The first area searched was a few miles southeast of Ariel, Washington, which which was at the time the most intensive manhunt search in U.S. history. Like they they brought out everything they could. And I, the way that I read this, and this was kind of tragically hilarious, is that they were they were conducting the search. At one point, they did find a skeleton. Yeah. And it was like, oh, but it turned out it was just a teenage girl that had been abducted and murdered. And then the next sentence is like, but the search continued to find D.B. Cooper. Yeah. And they just like <laughs> paved over that real hard. Yeah. And I feel bad about that. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, the the area they were searching was also south of Mount St. Helens near Lake Merwin. They looked for him by foot, by chopper, by boat. Search probably, party. Probably hounds. Hounds. But no trace of Cooper or shoot or money was found. The area is densely packed with forest, so even a good effort might miss a folded chute in the trees. Yeah, and, and it's important to point out that... So this guy, he jumped out of an airplane with having at the best of a, a loosely approximate idea of where he was. Yeah. There's no way for him to have planned that. You know, you, you, you seems that way. So yeah. At night during a storm into dense forests, which on maybe 
mountainous terrain. Yeah, which is just <laughs> the best way in the world to get tree stabbed, I can think of. <laughs> yeah, to get nature killed. Yeah, exactly. Double nature killed. Um, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Interviews uh, of those in contact with Coop, with Cooper described him as being between 5'10 and 6 feet tall, around 170 to 180 pounds, mid-40s with an olive complexion, close-set piercing brown eyes and wavy dark hair. Dreamy. He was also believed to be left-handed. Oh. Mm. South Park. <laughs> Coming out of Portland. Coming out of Tacoma, Washington. <laughs> One immediate suspect was an Oregon man named D.B. Cooper, who had a minor police record already. When they grabbed him, talked to him a little bit, he was quickly ruled out as yeah. a suspect. Yeah, the reason he was a suspect is they were like, I don't know, maybe he's too dumb to change his name. <laughs> uh, the media quickly jumped on the story, and in the haste to break it, to break the story, one p- reporter used D.B. Cooper as the hijacker's name, and thus the name D.B. Cooper stuck, even yeah. though Cooper never called himself anything other than Dan. Yep, just he was always Dan Cooper to them's he was threatening to blow up. Yep, sometimes Coop. Coop. If you knew him real well. Coop a loop. <laughs> Coop a loop if you want to get punched <laughs> <laughs> or blown up. <laughs> Searches continued with some false alarms here and there, kind of like the uh, skeleton case. Yeah, that was. And um, then, and, and in addition to that, there was a, a fair amount of 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 scammery. People would think, you know, uh, they they would talk about the 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 serial numbers on the the money. Yeah, people would bring in what they thought, you know, like a lot of close calls, but nothing or counterfeit. Yep, counterfeit. <laughs> Yeah, one guy, one guy scammed $30,000 out of Newsweek yeah. with a counterfeit bills. And they're like, well, yeah, I'll give you the exclusive interview, but it's going to cost you. <laughs> womp, womp. The 70s. Right. Oh, man. And there's, there's, I, there's a fact about 1971 that I cannot wait to share with you. Okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. Nothing, nothing certain ever turned up until 1978. When a plastic placard with aft stair instructions was found by a hunter 13 miles east of Castle Rock, Washington, or Castle Rock, and <laughs> his name was actually D.B. Lannister. That's right. He just needed to pay his debts. Jesus. All right. It was presumed to have been torn off the 727 by the wind. So, yes, it, it was part of the hijacked plane. Yeah. In 1980. Nothing interesting happened. Certainly not on a bend in the river. No. So moving on. Yeah. Uh, this is the, the single best, most mind-blowing clue of the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. An eight-year-old boy named Brian Ingram was digging in the sand along the Columbia River, which was about nine miles downstream of Vancouver, Washington. That's northwest of, of Vancouver it, for being downstream because it flows Oh, I thought, you meant, I thought you meant that Vancouver, Washington was somehow northwest of Vancouver, Canada. And I was like, well, that's that's oh, in that, the water. That's, <laughs> yeah, that didn't work. That going to work. The floating island of yeah, Vancouver. Exactly. No. Um, America's island fortress, Vancouver, Washington. <laughs> lonely sentinel against the aggression of Canada. <laughs> Holding out in Canada. Since, um, no, it, yeah, it's, it's the rate. The way that, you know, because of the Continental Divide, the, the river is flowing towards the Pacific Ocean. Yep. It bends around Vancouver going west and then north. 
Mm-hmm. So there's a north, uh, there's a west, and then a north bend. And just after that bend, just a little northwest of Vancouver is where this kid dug up three bundles of $20 bills totaling $5,800. Although severely disintegrated, they were still in rubber bands and the serial numbers were still visible. That's eight years later. Yeah. Uh, the money was reported to the authorities and it was confirmed to be part of the ransom. 290 20s. For some reason, 10 of them were missing. Yeah. And here's some, some other interesting facts. Keep in mind that they were missing, but the rubber bands were intact. Yeah. They were also in the exact order that they were placed in at the bank before they were delivered. Mm. So ostensibly untouched. Yeah. Experts decided the money had been washed downstream in the river. It was the way it was disintegrated. It was rounded mm-hmm. is imagine these $20 bills are now like elongated ovals as though the bundles had been tumbling. Yeah. And you can look up pictures online of these mm-hmm. things. It's real interesting because a lot of them look burned. Don't they look burned? Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if that's like a mold or something that mold, was on there. Yeah. Um, I know that they, a few of them, the, uh, the money was eventually split between Brian and the insurance company for the airline. Mm-hmm. And he auctioned a, a few of them off in 2008, 2009, I think. Got a pretty good amount of money. Yeah. 38000 Tens of thousands, yeah. yeah. But uh, before it was split, I think the, the FBI kept like 14 of them or something. Right, for evidence yeah. and tracking. And- yeah, but nobody knows what happened to the, the 10 missing bills in there. Everything looked so pristine and together, but there were just 10 that were gone. We can we can talk about that later once we get through most of the stuff, but that was that was a weird anomaly that didn't lead did, didn't lend credence to just dropping in the water and washing downstream. Right, and and man, I mean, they hired they got hydrologists from the Army Corps of Engineers. Mm-hmm. They have hired everyone you can think of to look at this, and and that's why we keep dropping these these seemingly unimportant facts because they all come back. They all come back to, to create this picture of what the FBI has. And right. it, which is interesting because, um, and I don't think officially, but like the FBI, their, their line has always been that guy's shoot never even opened. Yeah. That guy died. He yeah. died that night. He jumped out of an airplane and, and buried himself in the ground. That's yeah. And that's, that's a good seg into what happened to him. Yeah. yeah, the the FBI is just for lack of a of of better evidence, he vanished because he did. He's somewhere either eaten by bears, or eaten by fish in a river, or eaten by trees in a yeah. forest. Like he's dead. He 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 took this uh, the the less cool shoot, right? Which was apparently harder to control than than the newer sleeker Mountain Dewer version. And the reserve that he had was sewn shut. So couldn't have worked if it had to. Yeah. Uh, and apparently also, it had to. Also, he was in a suit and loafers jumping into pitch black bad weather at 200 miles per hour winds. Which is uh, minus 57 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, with the wind chill. Yeah. Yeah. And no helmet. He didn't ask for a helmet. So he... <laughs> Either he jumped into this and immediately froze and died, or he jumped and his huge, gigantic balls got in the way and <laughs> he couldn't deploy the chute. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I mean, that is, and, and, and I've, I've been in 57 below. I've been in that cold. That is no joke. Your eyes, his eyes would freeze shut. He would, he would lose control of his hands quickly. I mean, 30, 45 seconds, maybe mm-hmm. longer than he, I mean, shorter than he'd be in free fall. Um, the, the odds of him being able to, to still function would require a lot of advanced. I'm not saying it's impossible, mm-hmm. but he didn't have gloves. He didn't have anything covering his head or his, or his eyes. I'd like to come back to that too. Yeah. But. Um, that would be, I mean, that would be it just even regular under best of circumstances, skydivers, you wear goggles to protect your eyes just from the, the blast of the oh, yeah, air. You wear a lot of shit. You know, and he had sunglasses, he had dark glasses. Is that a good idea? I don't know. It's a cool idea. <laughs> um, so yeah, <laughs> it looked great doing it there. And, and this, this kind of factors into this, this profile mm-hmm. of Dan Cooper. Yeah. It, it kind of indicates a lack of skydiving knowledge. Yeah. Because at first they were, they were like, oh no, this guy knows what he's doing. He knows aircraft. He knows how to skydive. We're looking for, uh, perhaps, uh, an ex military guy. Mm-hmm. We're looking and then over time, they're like, you know what? No, no, this guy didn't know shit about skydiving because he would never have done this way. Yeah. He wouldn't have done it at all if he knew what he was doing. Like, like, like they, they came to believe that it took a special brand of ignorance to come up with this plan and decide <laughs> it was the way to go. And and keep in mind, he's also jumping over these dense forests and hilly, at least hilly or, or maybe even mountainous terrain mm-hmm. at night. Yeah, nature stabbed yeah. All, all over. Um, and even if he managed to land in one piece and not frozen to death, he'd still have to survive in the wilderness and not get caught or arouse suspicion. Right. He he has, he, he, I don't know, maybe he ate a big breakfast or something, but you can't get over the fact that you the are bourbon. dropping yourself in the middle of the woods. Assume some injury. Yeah. You know, frostbite. Numb hands, you know, like something is wrong with him when he lands, and then he's got to get out quickly, mm-hmm. and yeah, and have nobody notice. Yeah. No one's going to worry about the the hitchhiking guy, right? So, so what happened to Cooper? Well, that's that's the first thing on the list. He died, or maybe he lived and escaped to Canada or mm-hmm. South America. Maybe, perhaps he did. And there's this is there's an important point here. With the exception of the bills found in the river, never has one single bill of that money ever surfaced. Yeah, they've ne- that, they, that they knew of at all. And and these things are continuously tracked. You yeah. know, like serial numbers are checked in, and they're checked. You know, uh, particularly in places like Vegas, in banks, things like this. Uh, and, and Vegas will come up. There was a, there's a theory about one guy that he, he did it, got away with it, went to Vegas and lost it all. It would have shown up. Yeah. Especially even, then. Even in casino era Vegas. There's a, there's a theory that he went to Panama because apparently Panama, you can spend uh, American money and, and yeah. it's, it's, it's the wild west for money. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's, that's one thing I read. I don't know if that's, that's confirmed quite or not, but yeah, you know, one theory. Right. He could have also lived and and then went on to try a similar hijacking, but then got caught. Right. Yep. There's one guy. Yeah, I think that there's a, another. I mean, here's the other thing. And this is my fun fact about 1972. I think I said 71 before. Yeah. And I, I meant 72. There were in the United States, 31 hijackings in 1972, 30 fucking one hijackings. <laughs> 
in, almost, in, in 72 alone. Yeah, more than two hijackings a month. <laughs> and it's because... All unsuccessful. Yeah, all unsuccessful. Uh, and then, I mean, man, after this, the copycats coming out of the woodwork, all busted for various reasons. Nuts. Um, but because there was no airport security. Now, I know what you're going to say. We all love the TSA. We're all so glad they're doing that job and protecting us from... And have a smile on the face. <laughs> right. And so very polite about it. <laughs> the TSA, too far in one direction. 1972, too far <laughs> in the other. If, if you could physically get your body onto an airplane, you passed airport security. <laughs> no one's looking at anything. All right. And so they, and, and this was this, the, 1972 was the big bellwether for metal detectors, for security sweeps. And it dropped that Cavity number searches. instantly. Yeah. I mean, there just had to be some security, any security. And I remember as a kid, you could, you could, you know, wander through security and you, you would always go to the gate to, to meet family who was flying into town, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, there was zero security. <laughs> I can't emphasize this enough. One guy hijacked an airplane with an unloaded handgun and a paperweight, which was like a deactivated grenade. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know why, why only 31? One guy took over a plane with just a disarming smile. Hello. I mean, just. I've, I've got a few names here if you yeah, want Yeah, yeah, hit him. Garrett Brock Trapnail. Hi, Jack. <laughs> took, oh. uh, took a TW airliner uh, going from Los Angeles to New York. Um, demanded a bunch of cash and uh, apparently the release of, of a woman. Also wanted to meet with Nixon. Yeah, uh, and I want to meet uh, with Nixon. When uh, when they landed, he was shot and wounded, and then arrested. <laughs> yep. Uh, Richard McCoy Jr. The real Richard McCoy. We'll come back to him. Hijacked a United Airlines seven twenty seven in April. Asked for five hundred thousand in ransom money. Got it. <laughs> Got it. They all got the money. And then was Every arrested. Every single one of these people, they were like, here's your money. <laughs> uh, Frederick Hahnemann used a handgun to hijack. to hijack and made it to Honduras. Yeah. Parachuted into Honduras. And uh, the FBI had a bounty on his head. He surrendered. Yeah. He gave himself he up gave, to the American up. embassy. Love that. Crazy. How about Rob Dolan Hetty? Yeah. What did he do? Well, he was a paratrooper and Vietnam veteran. And he uh, decided to, to jump on board a, a United Airlines 727 in Reno. Um, notice that uh, a lot of these guys still prefer the 727. 727 out west. <laughs> uh, he, he got $200,000, a couple of parachutes, and uh, also parachuted into darkness. I mean, this guy actually was recreating it as best he could. Yeah. Just wasn't in the Pacific Northwest. Because but, he knew what he was doing. Right. The problem is this. Hetty, Hetty's car, he, he, he parachuted near Washoe Lake. And the cops were like, oh, well, he parachuted near Washoe Lake. Let's go check that area. Hey, there's a card here with a United States Parachute Association bumper sticker. <laughs> Maybe we should hang out here. And then they just arrested him when he showed up at his car. <laughs> and that leap brings us to how about uh, martin mcnally he was an unemployed uh unemployed guy (laughs) it says here unemployed service station attendant yeah how do you 
as though as though he, as though he got out of the industry. Job. Did he get out of the game? <laughs> but he still had a lot of contacts in the industry. Maybe they just weren't paying him. Yeah. Um, used a submachine gun. Walked Jeez. onto an airplane with a fucking submachine gun. And same thing. Got got a half million in cash. Bailed out. Lost the money. And was uh, arrested a few days later. Womp womp. Whew. Wow. So yeah, 15, uh, 15 attempted hijackings to, to duplicate Cooper's maneuver. The Cooper maneuver. I mean, if one hijacking happens anywhere on the planet, it is a worldwide phenomenon and everyone can do yeah. nothing but pay attention to it. 31 in the United States alone. Yeah. And, and of these 31, they were, most of them were copycats. Right. They were trying to do yeah. what this guy did. There were, um, let me, let me see here. I made a I'm note gonna, of this. I'm going to save you from our litigious listeners. 15, not quite half of them. You sure. said most, and I just oh, know okay. someone's going to string you up on that. I'm not going to let that happen to you because we're brothers. Sorry. Sorry. We're brothers. Two brothers. <laughs> but, but you got to look at fighting, fighting old ladies. Because also cats. the moon is crashing into the earth. <laughs> it's just, it's two brothers. It's just called two brothers. There had uh, here's here's a fun fact for you. Clip and save this one. There had been more than 100 skyjackings since 1968. Jesus! All them air pirates. I know air piracy. Isn't that nuts? I mean, it is. It is. It is. I mean, it's. I mean, I love that the FBI caught them all. Yeah, yeah. They they, they all got busted, except for except for except, except for Cooper. Dan. Who who probably busted himself? Yeah. Um, let's go through the the a brief list of suspects here. Yeah. Since 1971, there have been over a thousand credible suspects processed by the FBI. Among these are a majority of idiots and attention whores, <laughs> uh, along with a handful of interesting but ultimately unconfirmed possible Coopers. We're going to start with Richard McCoy, the we, real. Yeah. Thank you. Army vet, two tours in Nam, demolition expert, and helicopter pilot, and a member of the A team, avid skydiver. Yeah, although he had to be uh, drugged to get on the helicopter yeah. and fly it. I say, give me that money, fool. <laughs> staged, Put your jibba jabba. Staged a copycat hijacking, as we as we told you, got caught, got arrested, convicted, then he escaped from jail. Mm-hmm. He was found and killed in a shootout. He had a movie life. <laughs> yeah, his he life really was a did. movie. Would not confirm or deny he was Cooper, but his age of 29 isn't consistent with uh, the mid-40s of Cooper's description, and he seemed to have a better understanding of skydiving than Cooper did. Also, he was in Las Vegas that day. Oh, well, that's going to be a problem. Sorry, the real. You're the fake. Oh, sick burn, bro. Thanks. Thanks, I've been working on it. Here's a fun one. How about Barbara Dayton? Oh, Babs. Barbara Dayton was a recreational pilot who was born Robert Dayton. What? Yeah, yeah. He was in World War II and wanted uh, wanted to work in the airlines professionally, but couldn't get a pilot's license. And uh, Dayton uh, went in 1969, gender reassignment surgery. Wow. Hell of a maneuver for the time. For the time, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hell, it's a hell of a maneuver now. Everyone talks about the Bruce Jenner interview all damned week, so we haven't come in that far. <laughs> Just imagine the techniques are better. Hmm. 
uh, changed and changed her name to Barbara. She claimed, this is, this is what I like about this claimed to have, uh, staged the, the hijacking disguised as a dude to get back at the airline industry because she was mad that they wouldn't let her be a pilot. Hmm. Um, she said that she, that she hid the ransom money in a cistern near where she landed, um, uh, South of Portland. But then she <laughs> says the way it's written here. Eventually she recanted her entire story ostensibly after learning that she could still be charged with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. They, they have a whole thing about the statute of limitations on this. They, oh, that was, yeah. Yeah. They ruled that no dude, if you get caught, your ass is going to jail. Yeah. Cause they were worried about the statute that, that whoever did this is just laying low. Yeah. So they pulled this really kind of weird legal maneuver where they indicted Do- John Doe, AKA Dan Cooper and once you've once you've indicted someone you can you can proceed with 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 the criminal investigation at any point in the future so they opened an indictment without a suspect yeah but just by name so that there would never be a question of statute of limitations this guy couldn't wait you know 20 years quietly to be like hey everybody yeah here's my money yeah i did it look <laughs> at my tattoos <laughs> Big tattoo says, I did it across his chest. <laughs> I'm D.B. Cooper. <laughs> pretty pretty slick move. Yeah. Judicial system. Yeah. Who, who else you got? I've got Ken Christensen. Sounds like an upstanding guy. He was, maybe, posthumously tabbed as Cooper by his brother, Lyle, after Lyle watched a 2003 documentary. Lion Lyle. Lyle. Ken was a trained army paratrooper employed by Northwest Orient Airlines in 1954 as a mechanic then a steward, then a purser in Seattle. You know what a purser is? It's the guy on the airplane that's in charge of all the money. Really? Yeah, I think so. Oh. I might be thinking of a burser. <laughs> None of this sounds real. <laughs> He's got a serious face. But <laughs> I know. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, no, no, wait. You know what? It's a jerser. That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> Oh no! It's because I'm looking at my my laptop's cursor. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> a ship's purser is the person on a ship responsible for handling of money on board. Oh, uh, 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 uh. but wait! Now I don't know if there is such a thing as a burser. <laughs> it's the guy that kicks everybody's kneecaps because of the bursa. Thank you, Dark Lemon. You're with me on that one, right? Oh. A professional financial administrator in a school or university. Jesus. <laughs> terms. Woo, woo, woo. Look who's <laughs> doing things. <laughs> the lamest gloat of all time. <laughs> Look who's doing things. <laughs> I know who's purser and burser. In other <laughs> words, that rhyme. Um, I know worser. So he, he was all these things based uh, eventually out of Seattle and... Uh, thing is, he was shorter and thinner than Cooper, though. But he did smoke. He liked bourbon, and he was left-handed. It was seventy-two. Everyone smoked and liked bourbon. Okay. Apparently, he purchased a house with cash shortly after the hijacking, and then while he was dying of cancer in nineteen ninety-four, he told Lyle, "There's something you should know, but I cannot tell you." Dick move. <laughs> Dick Dead. move. Yeah, dick move. If you're dying, don't do shit like that. <laughs> According to an article by... I know, I mustn't. Uh. 
According to an article by Jeffrey Gray in New York Magazine, after Christensen's death, family members discovered gold coins and a valuable stamp collection. Stamp collection. Along with over $200,000 in bank accounts. They also found a folder of Northwest Orient news clippings, which began about the time he was hired in the 50s and stopped just prior to the date of the hijacking, despite the fact that the hijacking was by far the most momentous news event in the airline's history. Christensen continued to work part-time for the airline for many years after 1971, but apparently never clipped another Northwest news story. Not with those scissors. Not with that grunge. (laughs) Uh, What else you got? How about William Gossett? Who? William the Pratt Gossett. Was he an Iron Eagle? Iron Eagles. <laughs> his uh, well, Lewis. See. Yeah, but no, because it couldn't be his son Lewis because Lewis Gossett was, was junior. junior. Oh, ruled that one out. Yeah, nice job, Agent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, William uh, Pratt was he was in the Marines and the Army, mm. and uh, he was an Army Air Force veteran in uh, in fought in Vietnam, Korea. And, of course, he knew he had advanced jump training, wilderness survival, everything. Yeah. He retired in 73. And, uh, like, any, any, like, just like you and I, you know, ex-military, exceptionally trained, knows everything about uh, combat jumps and wilderness survival. So he hosted a radio talk show uh, about the paranormal. Yeah. <laughs> just like us. <laughs> um, and he was known to be obsessed with the Cooper hijacking. Hmm. Well, that doesn't prove that he was Cooper, though. Hmm. Well, um, he said that he knew enough that he could have written the epitaph for D.B. Cooper, which is interesting in that he used the phrase D.B. Cooper. <laughs> and, and not, not Dan. Dan Cooper, yeah. Uh, and later in life, uh, he told uh, his sons that he would, he done did it, that it was him. Okay. Okay, Dad. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, Sure. Uh, and then according to Galen Cook, who was uh, the lawyer who was collecting information related to Gossett, uh, Gossett once showed his sons a key to a Vancouver, British Columbia safe deposit box, which he said contained all the ransom money. Now, uh, Gossett's oldest son said that his dad was a compulsive gambler who never had any money. And at one point, just before Christmas 1971, uh, right when, you know, right after this happened, showed a, just had tons and tons of cash on hand. He thinks that Gossett gambled it all away, that if he did it, that he took all that money to Vegas and it's all gone. Yet not tracked. Right. There's a few things that don't quite add up. With a few bundles left in the Columbia River. Right. Hmm. Drop those to throw off the dogs. Well, that or somebody theorizes maybe they flew out while he was getting ready to jump or something. But that's those. And, and, and ultimately, they, the FBI can't even place him in the Pacific Northwest at the time this happened. And aside from his own statements, the, they're like, we've got nothing actually linking mm-hmm. him to this. Which leads us to uh, maybe our best possibility and a, a really late in the game entry into the field of suspects. How about Lynn Doyle Cooper, L.D. Cooper? L.D.D.B.? He was a leather worker. Uh, he fought in the Korean War. You stupid leather worker. <laughs> leather working LDDB Cooper. <laughs> and he became a suspect in 2011, just four years ago. Um, because she remembered when she was a little girl, 
her. This is the niece? The niece, yeah. Her uncle and another uncle were planning something, quote, very mischievous. <laughs> they were using walkie-talkies and at her grandmother's house in Sisters, Oregon, which is 150 miles away from uh, from Portland. And the next day, flight the, the next day that flight was hijacked. The two uncles went out, quote-unquote, turkey hunting. L.D. Cooper came home wearing a bloody shirt that he said that was a result of an auto accident, but he was all sorts of f***ed up. But happy. Yeah. <laughs> she also remembered that her uncle was obsessed with a Canadian comic book hero, Dan Cooper. Mm. And even had one of them thumbtacked to his wall. She gave the FBI a guitar strap that he was wearing in a photograph she had of him that he kind of looked like the sketches. Mm-hmm. They weren't able to, the FBI weren't able, weren't able to pull any um, fingerprints off of it. And it's amazing the amount of work that they did. I mean, they pulled three different DNA samples off the, the necktie that they got. Yeah. Which, again, doesn't mean that it's his DNA. They just found it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, the amount of scrutiny that they've put into these things. So, so anyway, Lynn Doyle Cooper, L.D. Cooper, pretty, you know, he was in the right place at the yeah. right time. Yeah. So a lot of that story kind of matches up. And he ended up kind of like, uh, he was always kind of like their... The weirdo uncle, he lived off by himself. And even even the niece who's telling the story, she's saying her dad would kind of miss his long lost brother, but they believe he did it. Hmm. How do you how do you pull a job like that and then not get to spend it? Right. You know, and that's that's the thing, you know, you there there really is no way to spend it where it doesn't show up somewhere. Right. Because otherwise, what have you done? Yeah. Unless maybe Panama. Right, yeah. You're you not going to fly to Panama. And yeah, just, you could. But even then, unless you're, you're, you've, you've got enough money to get the ticket with non-traceable funds. Uh-huh. You know, like there's. And then you buy a bunch of plantains and fly back. What, like, what? Yeah, what do, you, what do you do at that point? Yeah, and, I, and there are some people who think that this was done for the thrill of it. That this well, was done just, just for shiggles. Yeah. Or to, to piss off the FBI or yeah. the airline or whatever. One one of the observations I had while while doing the research with this is, um, would it be possible that he had some he, he had other stuff in his briefcase that the stewardess didn't see? Maybe, and by that I mean a change of shoes. Uh, goggles, gloves, yeah, small things that he could, you know, if put you, on. Yeah, if you plan on jumping out of an airplane and you don't have goggles and gloves, you're an idiot. Yeah, did he maybe go through other passenger stuff? They never said that anything else. You know, this this kind of stuff is just that. I never saw what the FBI concluded with this. I'm assuming that it was accounted for, but like other people's personal items never came up as, as being missing or anything like that. You know, maybe he could have grabbed gloves or a hat from somebody else's luggage. The other thing is that, um, is, and I, I'm just thinking this right now, but I believe like skydiving helmets are soft. It, it, they got like the ribs there there. I mean, there are soft parachuting helmets that you could also fit in a briefcase or a attache case. If hmm. That's what you're into. I often wonder if there wasn't something because there was, a good amount of time that he wasn't seen in the plane yeah. before he disappeared. Yeah. There's plenty of t- time for him to, to make a, you know, a plan or get himself prepped for that. The one stewardess, uh, Mucklow became a nun after this. 
later later became a nun and then she's refused interviews ever since she's she's really I, I i get the impression that she's bothered by it a lot yeah and and doesn't want anything to do with you know people asking her about it and stuff but um apparently became a nun for a while didn't didn't really work out for her well, I mean, it's I traumatic. I yeah, mean, you yeah. thought you were going to blow up or something, you know? You don't know how these things end. But um, through it all, it, it seemed like from the all, the all accounts, she remained pretty calm and, and did well, you know, yeah. while while it was happening. And then there's always a big deal made about how calm he was, Yeah, even he, though he apparently chain-smoked the whole time. Yeah, he was calm. He was polite. Polite. And and then he had this knowledge of, of the flight procedures. I, I always... In in reading all this research, I have a problem with that. Just personally, like, <laughs> I, I feel like yeah, most people probably get shaken up, but you got to think there's a few people who function differently in life. Yeah, like certain flight knowledge and keeping calm, you can learn how to do that. You can you can do that as a person. Just find out. Yeah, if you, even or that, meditate even, or even yeah, exactly. Even like I think that at, at sometimes in my my research, some people would really point out like how clearly Cooper had researched this. He knew right. flight systems. He knew altitude speeds. Oh, it he must knew, be an inside job because he knew where the oxygen was or the right. stairs. He just knew a lot. And so then later on when they're like, Oh, he didn't know about this. Like that doesn't jive. Right. You're like the, 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 the two versions of someone who knew a lot or didn't, or maybe he's like Mr. Magoo and was just like, Oh, I'll rob an airplane today. It'll all work out. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like it's a little little silly to use his calmness as evidence that uh, he was more knowledgeable than maybe he was. Right. People can get very good at, at showing an out, outward calmness too, you know, even yeah. though they might be nervous on the inside or something. But Well, I mean, come on. Of course he was nervous. It's not like he's like, oh, this is his 47th, you know, airplane right. hijacking. Yeah. The uh, the flight path. If you drew a map with all the like the placard that's found, the the money that's found on the the place in the river is called Tina Bar, mm-hmm. uh, like sandbar. Yeah, which was also dredged up. Apparently, they they dredged from another part of the river and then dumped it in this part. From the analysis, from the dude Palmer, right. yeah, who, yeah, who yeah, did the analysis, the hydroanalysis. He concluded that it was dredged up before the money was deposited there right yeah that that there that it didn't just like tumble down there and end up there that it was placed there either by an animal or by a person but it it happened after it didn't it was that that didn't the, the dredging the, the, didn't do it yeah the bundle didn't land there and just stay there like the dredging happened then the bundle showed up which which kind of creates a very weird timeline that even even the FBI is like, I got to be honest, we have no fucking idea how this money got here. Yeah, yeah, like, it's a little weird. Every everything that they've tried to do to kind of create a, a a trace of this, you know, track where it went. There's like, oh no, because of this. Yeah, no, because of this. And they think that maybe the drop zone or the the place where he landed might might be updated. Just because they weren't uh, factoring in a lot of the weather or the wind speed, this and that, mm-hmm. might be around the Washigal River, which yeah. is um, east of Vancouver, and and way southeast of where they were looking. Yeah, but that river then eventually feeds into the Columbia, 
which then you know goes downstream past Vancouver, and that's a that's a hell of a long way to travel. Yeah, by water just tumbling around, but that's that's the best going theory for yeah how because, they got there because no matter what they say or what they think they put together, they really have no idea where he jumped. No, they don't. And 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 where the wind would have blown him from there, and even they were saying just even down to how long he waited before he pulled the ripcord. Yeah, if he did, if he did, and that Dan Cooper comic you were talking about, yeah, Belgian. It was yeah. Belgian. It was never translated into English. Never sold in the U.S., but it was sold in Canada. So there, there that puts points on the board for him not even being and and the fact that he said non negotiable, uh, yeah, negotiable, negotiable, U- yeah, yeah, U.S. currency. They they think that may make him foreign. Yeah, that's not a phrase we use. What do you, what do you think? I think he died. I think he died too. Yeah, because that because for the simple fact that the money never showed up. Money never showed up. Nothing showed up, really. Yeah. I mean, I'm really kind of leaning towards he jumped out and froze. <laughs> it couldn't even couldn't even pull the cord because yeah. he couldn't get his hand to function. Mm-hmm. And then just, you know, ended up somewhere. Yeah. Imagine your eyelids icing over. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's, it's, what, is that Occam's razor at that point? I think so. I think so. I think that, I think that he, I mean, it's, it's amazing, but you know what I think? I mean, here's my theory. And again, you know, weirdly enough, Antarctica is going to come back into this. Okay. In 1997, this is a a weird South pole story. In 1997, some people decided they were going to, they were going to sky jive down to the South pole station. Sky jive? Sky, sky jive. (laughs) Word jazz the whole time. (laughs) Hand jive. Um, no, they were going to skydive and it was, it was a mix. It was, uh, some Americans, some Norwegians and some Australians, which sounds like the setup for a joke, but it's just really a setup for a terrible tragedy. Um, they jumped and, and I'm not, I'm not entirely sure why, but if it was material failure because of the cold, but, um, three of them died and they, they never, their shoot, they never opened their shoots. They never tried to, or, or if they didn't, they failed to. And I, it was, you know, a cold weather ish, issue. And they ended up burying themselves seven feet into the snow. <laughs> My thought is that if uh, Cooper jumped out of the airplane, and I can't believe I have applicable knowledge of this. <laughs> if uh, Cooper jumped out of the airplane and didn't open his chute, he buried himself. If he landed in an open space. I mean, that guy's a torpedo. Going through dense forest. Those tree limbs are going to slow I'm, it down. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, somewhat. I mean, it depends, obviously depends on the tree limb, depends on the tree, depends on whatever. But if he, if he did go between trees, if he didn't hit the trunk of a tree, he buried himself and there'd be very little, you know, I don't think to, to see, I don't, I don't know, but I, at least my personal theory in my heart of hearts, I think that's what happened. And that's why he never found him. Yeah. Which means that money is still out there somewhere. What's left of it. I mean, it was pretty rotten in 1980. Uh, that's true. Do you think it'd keep better in or out of the water? Out. So the money's maybe still out there. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, depending on what it's, you know, if it was wrapped in something or, I don't know. Well, that's uh, that's yeah. what you got Whew. for uh, in a very mysterious, rapidly plummeting nutshell. Yeah, nutshell. With a- <laughs> it's still your nutshell. <laughs> F- <laughs> you, Flora. <laughs> that nutshell's... Shoot was sewn shut. (laughs) 
Pick the wrong nutshell. <laughs> I know some other things that are <laughs> like what diving out of planes and <laughs> yeah. hitting so hard they're yeah. burying themselves. What would that be? Well, puns. <laughs> it's puns. I'll go first. Okay, go first. Low hanging fruit on this one. Uh, um, I'm I'm pre establishing a ban on the on the phrase pooper. You can't say pooper. You go first. <laughs> really? You took pooper? Oh, no, I got one. I got one. Oh, <laughs> I have uh I have a business. Uh-huh. You 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 can get barrels. Mhm. That you can store your cash in. Oh, great. And there's so much room, it just, it's like you put it in, it disappears. Nice. Yeah. You can get them down at DB Coopers. DB Because a, a Coopers. barrel. DB Coopers. <laughs> DB Coopers. <laughs> That's pretty direct. DB Coopers. <laughs> Wait, which one? What? You don't even have to change it. <laughs> it does itself. <sighs> can't believe you stole pooper. <laughs> I didn't steal it. I just ruled it out. We're better than that. <laughs> Are we? No, I wanted to do poopers too. <laughs> you know, um, there was an Italian guy, plumber, and uh, his brother. Oh, he had a brother? Yeah, he had a brother. Did they dress alike? Somewhat. Somewhat. And the uh, problem is, is they were, they were in a, a nonstop battle against an evil tyrant. And... Uh, Turns out his brother went traitor. Even took even took the the tyrant's name. Oh man! Yeah, that guy, that traitorous son of a bitch, was Luigi Koopa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Took all of the coins and the kingdom. Uh-huh. That's right. I actually got uh, an airline. Oh, great! That you might enjoy. When you get on the the plane, it, it's real hot. Mm-hmm. You probably. Well, you'd probably do well to just wear a towel. Oh, in there. nice. Okay. It gets real hot, sweaty, steamy in there. And, I like it. And then the, the stewardesses, they come by and they just, they kiss you all flight, over. Flight they attendants, just, dude. Try to be respectful. Oh, okay. Sure. They they they, they kiss on you and they, they uh-huh. suck all over your face and, and they just leave sores. What? Yeah. You you probably bought a ticket on a Northwest Albastorian airline. Oh, Nice. You want the chicken or beef? (laughs) Beverage? (laughs) Tea, coffee, coke? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) You know, we got a uh, new sponsor of the podcast. Who? Yeah, no, I'm I'm telling you right now. It's it's a a farm up in the Pacific Northwest where they they raise dogs. It's a family operation. They've been doing it forever. Mm Mm-hmm. Old Man Cooper's Cash Hounds. When you need to find a whole lot of missing cash in the woods, you're going to need a Cooper's Cash Hound. <laughs> um, I got a bonus one for you. Oh, really? Uh, it's a show about... It's a 90s show mm-hmm. uh, about... Fresh Prince Bel-Air? Yes. All right. Listener mail. <laughs> Audible. Donate. Bye. <laughs> It, it, it's a sitcom that takes place all in a plane with a guy who wants to jump out, but he just, he, he can't, he just does the right thing really. But with the, the crazy crew that's on the, the plane, 
It's hanging with D.B. Cooper. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, <laughs> hanging with D.B. Cooper. All right. Uh-huh. Enough for us. Now it's your turn, listener. Bring us your darkness. Time to jump into the cold, dark, wet night. <laughs> that, that is, is Listener All righty, straight out the gates. <laughs> like this. What's your name? None of your GD business. Oh. Just kidding. It's Gretel. Oh, oh uh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I like that. Gretel looks like Gretel's got some sass in her pants is what she's got. <laughs> she writes, longtime listener, first time writer. Oh, thank you, Gretel. Just want to say how much I love the show and the new site looks great. I've introduced, introduced lots of family and friends of the show. And yeah. It's a hit all around. Woof. Nice. Thank you. Nice, eh? And the hundredth episode took the cake. Basically, you guys totally are awesome. Ha <laughs> ha. Thank you. <laughs> now that we got the sweet out of the way. Oh, shit. Yeah. Here comes the pants that are sassy. <laughs> yeah. Warm up the beat button. <laughs> now, what the f*** is your sad sh- sack of an excuse for not scheduling a live episode? Is that so much to ask? Might I su- suspect that our friend Gretel is in the greater Chicago or Midwest area. <laughs> and maybe we need a metal detector when we do it. <laughs> Lots of lerve, Gretel. P.S. Thanks for all the brilliantly magical musical numbers. They're my fave. Please keep them coming unless I've completely offended you. I'm now on the blacklist. Uh, you, it takes more than that. It takes a lot more than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, please send along my fond regards to the ladies over at Candy Chat. They are just delightful. We shall. <laughs> they won't answer their phone. We might have to do it in a handwritten letter. <laughs> yeah. And go ahead and make this funnier if you read it on a supplemental episode, but really, live episode. Thank you, Gretel. There you go, Gretel. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Sorry we took your cake. <laughs> what do you got, Flora? What? Dave? Oh, it is time to make haste. Teethy and dispense for the devilish apparition appears. Oh, tease the devilish apparition. Away. Away. <laughs> what you got? The devilish apparition comes bearing a pun. <gasps> What's a druid's favorite food, Dave? fluid garlic bread nice the devilish apparition wonders if we'd heard about this in the news there was a fairly large scandal going on recently in the tabloid magazines <gasps> they'd been publishing horrible photos and trashy stories about lots of celebrities all of them submitted by the rising star of the paparazzi the slander man oh nice I love how far we can get with this. No one will hire him anymore, though, because it was discovered that his photos and stories were all faked. <gasps> That's right. It all turned out to be a slender sham. Oh. <laughs> the devilish oh. apparition. Thank you, devilish Jesus. apparition. Thank you, devilish apparition. And from the darkness wherein the apparitions lived to a place darker still. A place not only removed from man physically, but emotionally. And from that dark place, there is but one feeling, one controlling emotion. It is hunger, and it is Cthulhu who thunders. Cthulhu hungers. Ah. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm Cthulhu, and I sure am hungry for souls. <laughs> 
He writes, uh, excellent work lately, guys. Hey, show idea. Look into the big head people. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) There was that former World Bank lady who claimed they are running the world from the Vatican because they need the hats. Wow. (laughs) She says, really? Anyway, those old skulls don't look like, don't look to me like something you could accomplish with rocks and baby abuse, but I'm not a skull expert, just a humble pirate. (laughs) Incidentally, I don't want to say penalty box, but your Druids episode failed to mention Roman accounts of the Viking branch of the Druidic tradition. Certain priests of Odin were known for creating berserkers and sacrificing people by sharing a concoction with their victims made with hallucinatory fermentations of honey, Amida muscara mushrooms, and ergot. Ergotism, we talked about that. Sure. Before attempting to beat them to death with their fists, they were called the Brew-ids. Mm. Oh, like a knife in the ribs. Mm. Like a knife in the ribs. Thank you, Cthulhu Hunger. Oh, thank you. Dave heard from Boy Smithers. <laughs> that tiny Boy Smithers. Ooh, Boy Smithers. Boy Smithers says, WTF has stumbled upon gone. And wants to make sure we know WTF stands for where the f***. <laughs> we don't Otherwise, know. new site I mean, looks good, he says. It's, it, we, and, they didn't give us a chiclet for it. it yeah. It's not good enough to, to warrant an auto-developed chiclet. <laughs> that's that's exactly the, the case. Flora knows Pascal. I know Fortran, but neither of us know HTML, so we can't code our own. <laughs> <laughs> Pascal. Pascal. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Um, Still out there, but yeah, not not a direct way to get there right now from yeah. from our site. Maybe in the future we'll figure yeah. it out or it'll get added. But uh, we'll stumble that's upon that. Kind of how Zing. it goes. But thanks for writing. Thank you, sir. Now, Florida, look to the sky, for there, lighting hope in the hearts and minds of all who look upon it. Who could this be? It's the soaring buffalo of incredulity. Writes the following. Hello, Dave and David. Hi. Hi. You guys did a great job with the Hendrik episode. Thank you. But I did read somewhere that the mysterious newspaper from Munich would have been in their native language. I'm not sure why, but I found the Druids episode exceptionally funny. As far as the episodes in which you partook of the fire water, I didn't really notice much of a distance difference from any other episode. <laughs> well, you. from me anyway. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Take that how you'd like. (laughs) Anyway, I was recently browsing my Netflix suggestions and came across a documentary attempting to explain what they referred to as the devil's Bible. Devil Bible. Bible. After reading the description, I was instantly reminded of the Voynich manuscript. Um, The two were seemingly unrelated, but it was only a 45 minute documentary. So I watched it anyway. It was very vague, but the story is very interesting. I think it's right up your alley and you guys would do a much better job of explaining it. Keep up, keep up the great podcast and always soar with incredulity. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Um, Soaring on Buffalo. The, we De- had said the, De-boo-babble. the, um, newspaper was, was foreign, not, not in the language. But oh yeah. I th- yeah, he's, he's right. It's, I think it was just from out of town. Oh, well. more, more so. I can't read anyway. So what would I know? It's all crazy to me. Flora, what you got in your hand? Quick thank you to Blinovich. Love Blinovich. Blinovich sends us a... Uh, so much. Uh, tells us to to uh, go check out the XKCD comic for March 20th. Mm-hmm. Was v- was right up our alley. It was... Uh, it, it, it ties in. It's strange how... It's crazy how nature do that. Diakuyu, Blinovich. Dobrovivtorok. And then I got uh, got one more here. What is it? 
Is that okay? Yeah, quit lying. You're not lying, but you know what I mean. One, one, one more from Gerald. Oh, hello, Gerald. Long-time listener. Hi, Gerald. Gerald writes, dudes. Dude. You've never heard of the British film that Nick Cage Stinkfest was supposed to be based on? I'd heard of it. I knew that, that his Wicker Man wasn't the first Wicker Man, but truth be told, it's I didn't realize that the previous Wicker Man was like this pillar of cinematic excellence. Apparently it is. really touched a nerve with that. <laughs> Ed Woodward and Christopher Lee, Hardy's the Wicker Man. You deserve better than Cage's insanity. Britt Eklund's charm spell alone is worth seeking this one out, Gerald <laughs> says. Also, for an Android podcast client, Gerald enjoys using Dog Catcher. Oh. Dog with two Gs. It even works for authenticated feeds. All the man now, dog. Not sure what that means, but thank you for passing it along. I know we do All have a lot of- All the feeds are authenticated. A lot of- uh, Have you not been getting your certificates in the mail, listeners? We send out a, a certificate to each and every one of you for every episode. Don't don't write checks with your mouth. <laughs> My ass We owe 12,000 uh, <laughs> certificates a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of our listeners listen on uh, Androids. Uh, we even had um, uh, a listener on Twitter mention that uh, uh, Tro on Twitter mentioned that uh, there should be a way to leave uh, reviews in iTunes without having to go through iTunes. Yeah, there's not, not that I can find. Although, if anybody knows the way, please let by, us know. You got to play by their rules, brother. Yeah, I, I, I thought I thought you could go to the website, the iTunes, like uh, online, because. What are you saying, Grandpa? All of iTunes is online. There's the iTunes app, and then there's iTunes with a, a link that you go to. I've got the link that you go to on the website, but you have to have the app in order... Stop making that <laughs> noise. you got to have an app in order to subscribe and download and stuff <laughs> and leave a review. I thought you could do all that on the, on, on the site itself, on whatever website that iTunes has. That's not the app. Somebody back me up. Dave thinks I've lost my damn mind. That's what that noise is. That's, that's the I don't believe you at all noise. It's the I don't even follow what's happening anymore. I think I get what you're saying. There's like iTunes, the program. Right. Then there's you can access iTunes through the Apple website. Yes. Yeah. I okay. Yeah. But you got you, But you can't do the the same things on both. Right. Right. Which is dumb. Yeah. I still enjoyed making that sound. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not regretting that at all. Uh. Well, that'll do it for this week for listener May. That's right. Thank you for writing in, everybody. A lot of stuff coming up. May is huge. Yep. Uh, we're gonna die. We're gonna literally. Long it's gonna be die. no. It's gonna be so great. We're gonna. We're gonna we first of die. all. Uh, first of all, we've we're making our preparations for like as we said before, Milwaukee Paracon June sixth. We're gonna be there. You're gonna be there. We'll all be square because that's that's preordained. Yeah. We have got tons of episodes to crank up and get ready for Flora's leaving. I'm sorry. Are you? Where are you going? I don't remember. I am going overseas. Oh, okay. It'll, it'll be a fun trip. I think. Flora's going to hijack a plane. Yeah, it's on a podcast now. Guess who's not going anywhere, Mother Liquor? <laughs> and uh, yeah, we got lots coming up, so I'm excited about it. You should be excited about it. You should, and you should show that excitement by going to Facebook and liking us if uh-huh. you haven't yet. Going to iTunes, giving us a five-star review. Yeah. Go to YouTube, subscribe. Yep. Uh, Twitter. That. Twitter, we're at blurry underscore photos. Threaten us on Facebook. Be like, hey, 
I'm going to start really making a big e stink if I don't see some t-shirts flying out of you assholes soon. Don't tell them to do that. <laughs> I am. We're it's, trying. It's, we respond we're well trying. to pressure, and we need that kind of pressure. <laughs> but don't f- with the iTunes stuff. That stuff's permanent. You can't undo that later. That's true. That is true. <laughs> um, don't forget to uh, hit that donate button. That okay. helps us get going. Uh, don't forget to get your free book, Audible Trial yep. slash Blurry Photos. That's worth it. Yeah, um, well, yeah. get your get your free book. That's easy. That's it for this episode of Blurry Photos. I have been David Northwest Florient Airlines, and I have been Dave the Dummy Parachute Stecco. I'm so <laughs> shut. <laughs> You're gonna die. Trees. Bye.